Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Pastor Scott here with Steph Moss. Hi, guys. Hey, Steph. Hi. And um, Steph really loves being on the podcast, by the way. <laughs> I just feel like everyone's sick of hearing she me. But they should be really sick of hearing you. To you be on the podcast. Every <laughs> <laughs> they should be really sick of me. She's like, Can I? I actually was just going to do the podcast just with Jonathan and Casey by myself. And, and Steph's like, I, I, can I do it, please? I actually don't mind. I just, I genuinely think it's an insecurity. I think nobody wants to hear my voice every week. <laughs> so. I, I, well, I appreciate it. Okay. I, I appreciate you doing this with us. Yeah. With with us today are Jonathan and Casey. Um, you probably saw them on um, Sunday here at church, uh, unless you were joining via the live stream, which didn't work on Sunday. So I... Jonathan and Casey, you guys don't have to worry about any security issues with any live stream because there was no live stream. For those of you listening who are trying to join the live stream, we apologize. That's I, I think it might be the first time that we, in two years, that we just had no... Anyways, some major technical difficulties. So even, we apologize for that. We'll be ready to go next week. Even in COVID, we had it figured out, but this last week... You know what? Sometimes... <laughs> Anyways, it was, sometimes it happens. But it was on a weekend we were already blurring God's activity for Jonathan Casey. So I think this is... Right? I didn't know it was out. So I was talking to the live stream people oh. and like the guys in the booth are like, the camera's not on. Like, it's not even. Um, so should we let them say hello? We should. Hi, Jonathan Casey. Hi there. Hey. <laughs> Thanks so much. And so Jonathan and Casey were here and now they're joining us back from Indiana. We are out of California. It is, it is a lot harder to be out of California after being there in a beautiful week. Back to the humidity. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was really, really special having you guys here. I know uh, both as a church and I know even just our your time with our family. Our family was just talking about it again earlier today and how much they enjoyed that. So thanks. Thanks so much for that. It was a mutual, a mutual blessing. So Jonathan and Casey are um, preparing to go overseas. And if, if you were here on Sunday, you heard a little bit about that. But I want to share, uh, I want to get to talking about that, but maybe back up and start with a little bit of your story and um, how you got connected to Cornerstone in the first place and then what the Lord's been doing with your story um, since then. Hey, can you just catch us up a little bit on your history with Cornerstone for those that haven't been here for 10 years, which is most of the church? at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll start since I, I think I was the first one to be a part of yeah. church there. So I was, um, when I started my undergrad at UCLA, I was connected to corners actually with shoreline at that time, um, through, uh, somebody that I met, uh, through campus ministry, uh, at UCLA and right from the beginning of my undergrad was attending and then was there for that transition when they, when they merged and became cornerstone. And so, that was right around the time that that Casey and I started to to date and then proceed towards marriage. So, cool. Yeah, her time at, at the Cornerstone is a little shorter than mine. But. Well, that that's because your dating was a little bit shorter. It was, yeah. We <laughs> We're kind of infamous for that. I think. <laughs> we uh, dated for two months and then got engaged, and then three months later we were married. That's uh, a way to do it. At the at Cornerstone at the new building, I think we were the first to get married in the new building. I think after. you were. I'm pretty sure I remember someone saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was such a blessing. Uh, Brian and Chrissy did our premarital counseling, and we were just telling them this weekend how much 
we remember from that and how, how formative it was for us. And we just, we think back on our time at Cornerstone with such fondness. So, I did receive pastoral counseling before um, diving into marriage that quickly, by the way, for the record. <laughs> for the record, it wasn't just a unilateral decision. I think it was at Siam Chan. I think that's where the uh, where the official meeting happened. Oh, it's still here. Mm-hmm. I love going to Siam Chan. Did I won't name to go while you were here. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. But uh, there was a lot of counsel, so I <laughs> I I benefited greatly from uh, from from the pastors there and from our small group leaders at the time. So okay, so apart from just the uh, preparation for marriage and. The process of dating and everything else. How how did your time in LA and, and maybe even specifically at UCLA shape the direction of life and ministry and family? Because I I, I know that what, where you're at now isn't just something that popped up in the last couple of years, right? This has been a, a journey. Um, I, I mean, how do how do you describe how that journey? started maybe for each of you individually and then for the two of you together? Yeah, I became a believer in high school and it was at the end of high school that I got to go on a three-week trip. Um, Some of the women who discipled me challenged me to go on a trip to Brazil to serve. And it was there that the Lord planted seeds of long-term work overseas. Hmm. And our time, my time at UCLA, and I think Jonathan's too, um, kind of watered those seeds. I think we were both part of uh, a campus ministry there um, that had a huge emphasis on discipleship and the Great Commission. And it was it was during college that I learned about unreached people groups, and uh, it just became a desire to go and to serve. At that point, I was thinking as a single woman. Um, so separately, Jonathan and I both uh, really we're excited that God was at work around the world and and we were eager to, to give ourselves to join work among specifically unreached people. And so when we got together, uh, before we started dating, um, it's a longer story, but we really connected over, um, missionary biographies. That was, um, one of the first things we connected on. And even still we love, that's one of our favorite genres. So, um, our time at UCLA definitely um, encouraged that, I don't know, missionary heart in us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you recommend well, recommend some missionary biographies to us? Ooh, yeah. some of your favorites? My, my favorite, this is actually a funny story because my favorite came right off of the shelf at the Cornerstone Library that no longer exists. <laughs> And I was doing my library time Sunday mornings. That was, that was how I was serving at the time. And there was the, the missionary section was right in the front, right? When you walk into the left, um, this is now where the baby room is, I think the Uh, family room, the family room. Yeah. And, um, I remember just, I, I pulled a whole bunch of them off the shelf when I was working there and I would take them home, but to the golden shore on Adoniram Judson was on the shelf and has been profoundly impactful for me. So that's my favorite and sort of funny that that uh, came right off the shelf there. That's so cool. Yeah. My favorite is um, A Chance to Die by Elizabeth Elliott. And it's written about the life of Amy Carmichael. I love that one. Mm, that's so cool. 
So my time at UCLA was a little, a little bit different. I had grown up in sort of a non-traditional home. Our, my parents had started a nonprofit that did a lot of disaster relief all over the world. So I got to travel a lot with, with my dad um, in disaster areas. And so when I entered college, I had this idea that I was going to be this great humanitarian aid doctor, um, some sort of hero type figure um, that um, would you know go into disaster areas and do great things, sort of mostly focusing on physical needs, because I think that was a lot of what I saw when I was growing up. And I think God really used that to shape my heart for, for meeting physical needs and to go into medicine in general. Um, but when I really engaged with, with the Bible, and that was through a freshman Bible study that was being led on campus, I think God really, really changed my heart and really for the first time, I think I really understood the gospel that I was somebody that that was completely unable to save myself through however many good works I did, however much humanitarian aid, aid stuff I was involved in, however many trips that I went on, that it was never enough to earn God's favor. And I think that really had a huge impact on me as early as my freshman year and through some of the the mentors that I that I had during those college years, I think really also kind of gave me an, an idea or um, attitude towards my time in college that was a little bit different. And um, I kind of went into to different ways to serve uh, at UCLA, one of those <clears throat> being a resident assistant. And God really put a lot of people on my floor that were from different cultures and different religious backgrounds that I had never engaged with growing up. And um, people that had never, I would ask people, you know, you know, do you know the story about Jesus and people didn't know, I mean, they'd heard the name, but I was just surprised. These are college students that didn't know. I mean, even just the life of Jesus, um, right there at UCLA. And so I had a, an opportunity to engage with a lot of students whose families had immigrated. Maybe they were second generation, um, that had never heard the gospel and got to share, with people and God really used those relationships, I think, to to really plant in me a desire to to do that long term, to do that overseas, um, and you know, to use to use medicine. I was already going in that direction, but to to focus maybe more on souls than on on bodies. Hmm. That's really cool. So, when you got married, then the that was a shared. That was a shared desire, kind of shared passion that you saw for yourself, yes. for your life. Yeah, definitely. It, it was. I, and, yeah, I was I was going to be single and like bachelor to the rapture. That was like the motto. <laughs> I was going to I was going to go out and, and, you know, go to some jungle somewhere. And um, and it was so I mean, like, I think God just has a, a way of just shaking us up and um, I think he knew all along that he did know all along, but, um, I kind of fought him on it for a long time and prayed that he would take her off of my mind because like we had this plan, God and I, we came up with this idea. We were going to do this thing and I was going to be single and he kept putting her on my mind and, um, it was totally, totally his plan. And it's incredible that it worked out and that we were able to to connect. I mean, we connected in missionary biographies and our mutual desire to serve him, um, reaching the lost with, with good news. Mm. And so it, uh, yeah. I think I'm intrigued by, I can see how two individuals who thought they were going to individually go and, um, 
you know, serve the Lord wherever he calls. And then I can see, okay, how he kind of knit you together and he, he had the call. I'm, I'm so curious how then when four kids come into the picture, how that I could just see how easily that could derail kind of, surely you don't want us to move all four children and us over, you know, that's kind of a young person's game. You know, we're married, we're free, we can go and travel. I think that a lot of people have the stereotype of missions that you're either a single doing it or you're maybe a couple doing it, but to uproot an entire family, I think I'm just curious to see that, that side of the story of um, maybe how you've even engaged your kids in coming to this, uh, to where, yeah, where God's brought you and that it didn't, you guys didn't allow that to maybe change the, the direction. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, after we got married, we moved to Israel where Jonathan did medical school and we had Silas, our first son, when we were in Israel. So he was born in the Middle East and um, kind of feels like that's his roots in some ways. And even when we came back to the States for residency, um, it was our, our hope and our desire to go back um, and serve overseas. And so as a family, we've always talked about that. It's always been um, just something we've talked about and, and prayed for together with our kids. Um, and it was never, it was never something new to them that suddenly surprised them. It was something that as a family, we were walking towards together. Um, and I think, yeah, it is a lot to move all four of our kids over there, but um, especially in the Middle East, families are so important and our kids are so welcome to be a part of people's lives there. And in some ways, um, we as a family will be able to serve, I think, even better than I could as a single woman going over there. Single women are um, in, in the Arab world kind of strange. Like they get asked questions like, Why, where is your husband? Why are you not married? It's just very different to them. But a family being there is normal. They're very communal. And so I think as a family, we'll have these really unique opportunities uh, to engage with other families and have our kids spending time together. And um, I think I shared this in, in church, but one of the, the things our family loves to talk about is what heaven will be like. And especially that, that vision we have, that picture in Revelation of the the marriage supper of the lamb and just we talk we like to paint the picture as we talk about it like a giant table and all of god's people are gathered around this table and the kids love being a part of that and they love when we talk about the friends we have here in town the the longing we have for them to be at that table too for them to know jesus and to worship him and to to be gathered at that table um one day worshiping Jesus with us. So I think it's just become kind of a family vision together. And um, yeah, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, that's not why we had kids. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that, that that was, you know, having that is sort of one of the, um, as kind of the culture of our family, um, you know, that we were individually reaching out you know, to, to people thinking about praying about, um, you know, those in darkness that don't have the knowledge of Jesus and then doing that together when we got married. And then that sort of just translates when you have kids that, that you want to bring your, your kids up in the knowledge of the Lord. 
and you want to share with, with them the passion that, you know, he's, he's given you and the knowledge that the world is broken. And, um, a lot of people don't ever have the chance to, to hear the good news. And so, um, it's just a blessing that, you know, all of these things have lined up that, and there's a lot of people that, you know, go on more than half of the, the, um, you know, missionaries worldwide are single, um, you know, and those that are, that are, that are married a lot, a lot serve really well without kids and the culture that we have a heart for really values families. And that's a huge part of the culture. And so we just, we feel blessed. This is what God has given us. And he, you know, assigns to different people, different gifts and different opportunities. And, um, it's not as though one is better than another, but that's, that's what we were given. And we are utilizing that to the best of our ability. Thanks. What a cool and unique opportunity. So what, 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 why the Middle East? I know that that's been a particularly a, a heart of yours. Um, how did how did that come about, and how did the Lord lead you kind of specifically to that that area? So after after we got married, three days later, uh, we moved to Israel, and uh, there was an American medical school there, and that was where Jonathan did his medical training. And we got to know many different Arab peoples while we were living in Israel. We got to be a part of a, an English outreach, um, English teaching at a, at a Bedouin village outside of our city and got to know high school students and build relationships with them and just really grew to love them and love their culture and um, yeah, just different connections in the region we um, just really grew to love that, those people. Yeah. There's a lot of things that weren't, again, our plans. The school that I was a part of was called the medical school for international health. So that was why I chose to go there. It wasn't because of the location. It was because of the type of training and the focus on global health. And we thought, well, I thought because I had gotten in before we started dating, which is a whole long story, but, um, sort of as a stepping stone, you know, this is great training. It's in another place, another culture, another language, but the, the specific location of it being in the middle East was not anything that really interested me particularly, particularly. Um, but I think as Casey mentioned, God really used relationships that we had with people there to just give us a heart for, for, um, going back to the middle East and for Arabs in particular, I got to spend a month in Jordan working at a hospital there, um, fairly recently in the last few years as well. Um, we had friends that we would know or had visited in the, in the, uh, the West bank. Um, our church had a connection with the church in the West bank that we would, that we would oftentimes connect to. So, yeah, I, I think it wasn't why we went there initially. Hmm. And then after going there, coming back to the States, we were just like, how can we go back? Like we, hmm. <laughs> we just wanted to go back. And part of that I think was, you know, the relationships that we had built, but I think part of it was just God putting putting this particular group of people in our hearts and for His for His purposes. So yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 to be clear, I know that you're you're going back to the Middle East, right? You're you're not going back to Israel. Um, That's if you were going back to Israel, we could talk about the specific <laughs> areas. But other than that, we're just going to keep it as general as the the Middle East. Um, and I I don't know how much you are able to share in this context about the specific opportunity 
that came up or what brought you, what doors opened to allow you um, to go back to the Middle East and to actually serve long-term there. Um, but can you share whatever you can share <laughs> with us uh, yeah. about that or? Yeah, I can, I can definitely convey that. So most people are probably aware once you do medical school, almost everywhere you do some sort of specialty training. And so I, I specialize in family medicine um, <clears throat> here in Northern Indiana and uh, completed that three years ago and then have been been working ever since then. But um, during the last six years that we've been here, we've been asking questions, knocking on doors, meeting with different organizations to try to figure out if there was opportunities that were open to our particular situation with my degree being from Israel. Mm. So not, a, not a big secret. There's a lot of conflict in the Middle East. A lot of it has to do with Israel. Um, so that was where a lot of those closed doors came from that we encountered um, so, so having a medical degree from Israel, oftentimes actually closed doors. Correct. Yeah. Wow. And our son, our first son was born there. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that that's going to stay with him. It's most of the Middle East does not recognize Israel as a country. Yeah. So he wouldn't have an actual degree. Yeah. At least not from a real country. Yeah. From a real country. Yeah, from most country. Yeah. So there were some changes that happened within the last couple of years that did open some of those doors, um, some political developments that I think God's hand was definitely in mm. that has, has allowed us access to, to more areas than were ever available, you know, for decades past. I mean, this is, mm. these doors were closed to many people in my, in, in our particular situation for years and years and years. And so, um, yeah, I think that that opened up a door for a few different places, uh, within the middle East for us. And right around that time that that happened, that was sort of at the end of 2020, a little blip in the news um, during the pandemic. Uh -huh. um, somebody that I had been connected to in the past through our, our organization that we're connected with here in the States reached out and said, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about kind of transitioning within that region. Would you be interested in joining us? Hmm. And, um, you know, to work at this hospital to be able to kind of have this team with the, the hope long-term of, of doing church planning type work, kind of using skills, medical skills and other skills to really kind of have access to people's lives and to be able to share within relationships, the good news of, of what Jesus has done. Um, and so the hospital that I will be working at um, is in one of those countries in, in the Middle East that sort of opened up politically towards Israel. Um, the hospital has been around for a long time. Um, something that that matters um, relationally, especially there's a lot of close relationships with with the government, with the local authorities um, that really has through the years been such a, a gift to be able to have that relationship and have that connection to have stability, to be able to continue to provide a location and place for believers to come and to work, to to work well, to use their gifts and their skills to help people's physical needs, but also to have an access to, to sharing with people the, the gospel. Mm. It's, it's such an incredible story of how the Lord has worked and provided opportunities and in, in just the right time, at just the right moment, opened these doors, even these geopolitical doors that have been closed for decades, um, kind of all the time preparing, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, having this in mind as he led you step by step 
each each step of the way. And I I I just appreciate it, and it's so moving to me because I think a lot of us struggle, and I think a lot of people, and even a lot of people that are called to serve the Lord in all sorts of different ways, struggle at times in the middle of those processes, mm-hmm. right? Being like, where am I headed? Right? Like where where are we going? Like I just I I, I can't even see it. Um, That's what I thought when you said. I caught the timeline you said when you said for the last six years. I'm like, so okay, so he did three years of residency. That means they've been praying for, th- and they've been meeting with these organizations for three years of like three years of closed doors until this one kind of became clear and open. And I just thought how how often that people might feel like, well, then that's just not my call. Maybe, maybe I thought it was a passion of mine. Maybe it's actually just this love of books that we have and not actually this call to go (laughs) really. Right. (laughs) So I could just see how, and I'm speaking to probably, I'm trying to speak to the listeners as you, if people that feel this call and this thing on their heart, how often we can get derailed by like doubt or patience you know, waiting. And so I just, yeah, I just wonder what that was like for you guys to just trust you, you really believed that he, he had this for you and that he was go, going to open it when he was going to open it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just... Was it always easy? Yeah. Like was super it, confident? I, like, yeah, it's like I want to get to a question there. Like, <laughs> did you just... <laughs> the Lord has been so patient with me, especially mm-hmm. over the years, just feeling... I mean, for a while, our hope was that we could just go right after residency. Mm. And I, I've hit many seasons of just impatience. Like, I just want to know where are we going? When can we go? Is it now? Is it now? And I would, uh, sometimes badger Jonathan with wanting to have conversations about it. And, and when it was just not the time, it was not, it was not the time to be taking steps forward. Um, and the Lord was really really gracious to me and, um, yeah, just patient in those seasons where I am excited to go also patient in seasons of doubt where I've thought, are we just totally nuts? Are we crazy? Should we really do this with four of our kids? Um, he has, he's always very patient and I'm, I'm not at saying like, that's totally in the past. We still, I still have nights where I think, this is crazy. What are we doing? And Mm. he just has graciously met me in those places and reminded me that he is so worthy of any crazy thing we do for his glory or any sacrifice we make. And, um, yeah, so I will say, I, I think between the two of us, I'm probably the most impatient. I have been the most impatient in the journey and also the most doubtful. Jonathan's more of a steady steady rock, but the Lord's been really faithful to us in these last years. Both of those ways may be by only a fraction. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just how marriage works. It's like, right. Well, one person's like doing well, the other, when there's seasons where I've been like, you know, maybe just, this is not what, what the Lord wants us to do. And he wants us to do something different. And, or like, we're definitely not qualified to do this. So clearly we should just kind of, you know, just, just be here and do other stuff. Um, and, you know, during those times, she would often encourage me something that continues to come back to me. And I think I know to you as well, Casey, is in John six, where, where Jesus is giving this really difficult teaching and people leave him right when he's talking about his body and his blood. And you know, he turns to his disciples and he's like, and what about you guys? And they're like, where else are we going to go? 
And so I think for, for me, that's something that I come back to is he really, I think, planted in, in me this desire to make him known among people that have never had a chance to hear who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And when I think about something different, I just continue to come back. Like, would I really be satisfied? Like, would I really be content? And I don't think I would. And it's not as though that means that that's like the right decision for everybody. But I think we ha- we're all called to be obedient. We're all called to follow. And, you know, again, Jesus's disciples at the end of the book of John, like John and Peter had very different roles that they were going to play. And like my story is not anybody else's story, but I think it would be disobedient for us to, at least at this time, walk away from this when, when he's asked us to do this. So. Really refreshing to hear you guys talk about the wrestling, because I think that, that sometimes we can hear these idealized stories or read these amazing books of <laughs> missionaries around the world or um, martyrs for the faith. And, you know, and you just think it's just really either a really clear call, which maybe sometimes it is, but you don't always get to hear the narrative right? or the narration in your heads or the wrestling and so I, I really appreciate you sharing that side of it, that there are moments of doubt and there's moments of encouragement and all, everything in between. So mm. I think that's helpful for, even for people listening that it, it's a journey, uh, yeah. like all of the Bible <laughs> kind of outlines for us. Yeah. I mean, I mean what, a, what a story of, <clears throat> I think it demonstrates what faithfulness looks like, right? That it's, it, that it's actually ultimately his faithfulness mm. to us that yeah. guides us through these ups and downs and questions and doubts and fears and everything else. He, he's so constant, right? Mm-hmm. He's such a refuge. And as we do follow one step at a time, he continues faithfully to, to show us the way forward. And, and I appreciate that because I, I, I think, yeah, similarly, there, there's a lot of ways in which when things don't come to fruition in the first month, let alone the first year, right? We're like, oh, maybe this just isn't it. Um, but when we follow him step by step, he oftentimes leads us on these journeys that that look different than we expect, but oftentimes are so much richer. Yeah. Um, and not waiting. Like, I think I hear from you guys too, that you didn't wait until you get to the Middle East to go and share the story of Jesus with others, mm. right? Because what if his call was, no, we're going to stay here. Yeah. And, and tell people about him exactly in the, the hospital you're at or the clinic you're at or in the town you're at. Or, and so the, that that is just as um, useful to his kingdom work. And But, you know, for you guys, he he's eventually opened up a door somewhere else. But I think not waiting till that day that I get to go overseas and go and tell others about Jesus, that we can start that today and allow nothing, him to open. Nothing magical happens on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> You're really brave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really is. And I think we've both felt convicted. I mean, I think when we leave here, we will have regrets at how how much more we could have shared. Mm-hmm. I think that happens anytime I leave a city or anytime we leave a community. You know, there's always, I feel a little bit like Schindler did at the end of Schindler's List where he's like, I could have saved more. And it's not us saving anybody, but it's like throwing seeds. Like we could have scattered more. Like we could have, you know, we, we could have. So I think God is very gracious to us. We, we don't like look at our time here and think like we are doing an um, incredible job. I think um, we do try to be faithful in the relationships he's given us in the neighborhood that we're in and the role that I have as a, as a physician 
to be able to to share good news with people. But it's definitely something that that I think I was convicted about many times over the years, sort of sometimes just thinking all in the future and then kind of like God pulling me back to like, what about the people around you right now? <laughs> There's a lot of people around you that have never heard. And so not, not, uh, not forgetting that, that there's no amount of time that is wasted. I think he, he puts us in positions for his purposes and, um, yeah. Yeah. We've always talked about really wanting to be deeply rooted wherever we are. And even though we anticipate being uprooted and moved, we're still here right now. And so we've, that's been a prayer request that we've had. Um, just especially for the next four or five months before we Lord willing move, um, just that we would be really rooted here and invested in the people that are around us and not already living there. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, Jonathan, that the Lord really made a change in your heart kind of beyond just humanitarian work right? Beyond just going overseas to do me simply medical work, but to go also ultimately for the sake of the kingdom. What, what is, what do you anticipate that looking like? Like what, what do the two of you envision? I know there's lots of unknowns, maybe even more, more unknowns than, than you realize about what, you know, the, the coming years are going to entail, but what, what are you hoping that life and ministry will entail once you're there? Yeah. So, Connecting with people through their heart language is really important to us and really important to a lot of the people that have mentored us through the years. And so for the first two years, both of us are committing pretty heavily to learning the local language. Um, and so very graciously, the hospital that I will be working for is going to allow us to do that. And I will kind of work part time um, to be able to keep up my skills, but really with most of our time being focused on language. Um, I think that that will allow us to be able to really connect with people. Um, and I think means a lot to people, especially, um, you know, in, in today's world where you can get by with English in a lot of places, you can, you can move internationally and never, ever learn, you know, the language of the place that you're moving. But I think that's, um, first and foremost, what we'll have an emphasis on when we land um, but a lot of what we'll end up doing will be very similar to what we do now, um, in terms of my role as a physician, connecting with patients, connecting with other staff that are unbelievers, connecting with neighbors, building those relationships with the hope of being able to, to share the good news with people. Um, particularly in my role as a, as a physician, people come needy. There's a lot of needs. There's a lot of hurt. People often come when they're sick. They're often, they come when they're scared. And so praying with, with patients is something that in, um, in the Middle East is from the people that I've talked to and in my own experiences with people that have come from those regions is very welcome and almost a, an anticipated and expected part of care now that I take care of people from that part of the world, that once you start to do that, I mean, they, they cling on to that and they, they really value people you know, treating them, you know, their physical needs to really consider their spiritual needs as well. Um, and that's something across the board. I think, you know, you can look at a lot of studies where patients expect physicians to be able to consider their spiritual health as part of their overall health. But I think that's so much more a part of the, the, the perceived health of the individual 
when you start talking about um, international populations and especially in the Middle East. Um, conversations, I mean, it's again, all the subjects that are taboo in the West to talk about at the dinner table are what people talk about at the dinner table when you move <laughs> to that part of the world. And so, you know, religion and politics and all of those things are very much a normal thing. I mean, you're expected to share, you're expected to have conversations. And so I think that, that, you know, he's suited us, I think for well for this, this culture, because we love to, to be welcomed into people's homes and to welcome people into our homes and just have conversations to share about, you know, our lives, right. Our testimony um, with people. And I think that that would be a huge part of, you know, eventually, right. Evangelizing, discipling, bringing believers together um, into a group of. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think ever since our time in the middle East in medical school, I am just really drawn to Muslim women and there's not many in our, in South Bend, Indiana, there's not many, but when I go to the library, um, and I see a woman across the room, I'm drawn to her and I've just learned to accept that and go and be awkward and introduce myself. And I've made a lot of friends through the library, just walking up to those women. And so I think I'm really excited to be, um, in a place where, most of my neighbors are going to be Muslim women and um, just to, to raise our kids there and to have neighbors and um, build relationships just like I normally do as a mom of four kids here. Um, I will be doing there. Um, the hospital also has a new mom's program and I trained as a doula and have attended births um, here in the States and overseas when we've been overseas and, um, I really look forward to to being a part of the women's lives in that city. The hospital is has a big maternity focus, so I am excited to serve. Just however the Lord opens those doors, um, to get to to serve women there. And so, I know you talked a little bit, Jonathan, about and then mentioned before in our conversations about the prospect kind of down the road of church planting. Um, like, is that a, a part of that? Is there a church you're going to be a part of? Like, how how does that fit in um, to at least what you know now? I know that there's a lot you I know there's a lot you don't know, but I think that there's some of the natural questions, right, that come up. Like, what what's the, what does that look like? Or how, how do you incorporate people into um yeah. your life of church when that there's not much of that going on. Yeah. I think, you know, God's plan for the world is the church. And I mean, I think that this was something that, that I really caught on to when I was at Cornerstone and through Shoreline. I mean, the, the local church is, I mean, Jesus established the church. I mean, that was his, his design, um, people meeting together, um, you know, within groups to worship him, um, you know, to practice the sacraments, to practice, you know, the fruit of the spirit with one another. So I think that's ultimately the goal anywhere believers go, anywhere believers are made, um, anywhere people are discipled to follow Jesus, it's to follow him together um, practically. So I will be serving as part of a team. And so um, as it stands in the city that we're going to, there is a church of internationals. So there's international believers that will kind of meet together um, in different congregations based on their languages. 
but there is not a church of people that have come out of Muslim background, mm. um, you know, believers that are meeting together for the sake of, of you know, sharing life together. There are a few scattered believers. It is a little difficult to know until we land, you know, what our role would be. But I think a lot of it would be relationship, discipleship, individuals, and then to be a part of a larger team to hopefully one day see God plant um, a local church national church, a church in, in their own language, in their own culture, in their own context, that is much better suited to reach out toward the, you know, towards the, those that are around them, right? We're, we're coming in as a Southern Californian raised America where, you know, it's going to take a lot for us. I think years will probably start scratching the surface of really understanding the culture and the language. Whereas you know, our hope would be one day to have, you know, local believers take kind of take that right into yeah. to see the vision of, of the church and, you know, establish those. So yeah, very early stages right now, there's a few scattered believers. There are um, a number of others there that are doing what we're doing. And some of those folks are doing that through medicine and some are doing it in other capacities. So we'll be a part of a team to do that together. Mm. Yeah. I just, I appreciate it you talking about that and i think because there is so much that it's so early stages right there's so much that's unknown but it it's it's the pioneering work right this is the call to the pioneering work of of working to evangelize in a place where the in a place in a language in a culture where the local church doesn't exist and isn't self-replicating yet and um i think both what a sacrifice but also what a, a beautiful opportunity so it's really exciting to see well how how can i so so that everybody listening knows i mean and, and you've probably heard this as we've talked about it in a couple of different contexts over the last few weeks or over over the last month um as a church we are supporting jonathan and casey and are committing to be praying for them and coming alongside them being a, a support and encouragement to them um, but I know that, it, that that's one thing kind of as a, you know, church as a whole or as a church family as a whole, but I know that the, the most meaningful things both in, um, support and in relationship and even just in, in the emotional support and prayer support is individuals, right? Is, is not just in a, a church kind of on an organizational level saying, okay, yeah, we support you. We're with you. We want to, you know, send you, but as individuals coming alongside and, and embodying that, um, which is part of why I, I'm so thankful that you were able to come out here and meet people. It's also why I wanted to, to introduce you to people through this means so they could hear a little bit more of your story. If, if people want to partner with you and, um, be a part of sending you and, um, praying for you and supporting you, uh, what, what are the needs? Like, what, what does that look like? What are, what are the needs? And maybe even, maybe specifically, what are the needs right now in this transition season between now and the end of the year when you're transitioning and going? And, and what are kind of the most immediate needs in the first year or two of you there um, that we can both be, be praying for and coming alongside of? Yeah, there are a couple of hard and fast needs that I think um, we are excited to get to bring other people into. So we can't go unless we have people praying for us. So, um, and we can't go unless we have the means to do it. So the the prayer need is 
sort of special and we get really excited when we get to share this with people is we partnered with a group that is asking that we have a lot of people praying for us every day. And they've actually set a number and they've said, you can't go unless you have a hundred people praying for you every single day. Hmm. And I think that really has communicated to us and as well as um, been really special and precious for us to be able to know that there's people that are praying for us every day. Um, and this is for the long haul. I mean, it's a pretty big commitment. And I think when we started to do that for other people, we were both of us pretty convicted. Like, do I pray for my wife every day? And, um, do I pray for my kids every day? And I think God's used that for both of us to really shape us, um, and encourage us to pray. So that's definitely one very specific need. Um, we're trying to raise people to commit to pray for us every day. Um, we do send out weekly prayer updates and, and things like that to give people things specifically that they can do um, to, to pray for us. Um, we do have a financial need to be able to get to the field. And so um, what we're being asked to raise up is a specific amount every month for the first two years when we're doing language. So while we're doing language, we're going to be almost entirely on support from people from the states um, who believe in the gospel, who believe in God, uh, building his kingdom and want to join God and maybe don't have a way to do that. Maybe don't have specific means to be able to, to participate in that kind of work. So we're, we love to be able to share that with people, to give people an opportunity to join, to join in that way, um, to be able to, to use their gifts, um, to, to further Christ's church and his kingdom. And so we do have a specific amount that we're, we're seeking to raise every month and people to commit to that at least for the first two years. And then beyond that, when, once we transition a little bit out of language and I work, I'm working a little bit more that that would maybe look a little bit more different, but um, yeah, we're close to about 60% of our monthly goal. And so we have to be at hundred percent before we can leave, um, which I think is helpful. That's a, <laughs> that's, a that's a good rule. It's a good ground rule. That is a good rule. Uh, so yeah, that's, those are, those are a couple of specific ones. Um, certainly like special gifts or gifts to help us kind of get there with the moving transition and things like that are certainly welcome as well. Those are some other specific ones. And we're, I think we're trying to, to, um, gather around us enough people, uh, to support us to do that. And we're, I think at about 50% of what it would take for us to move overseas. So where are you at with your prayer partner numbers? We have 75 people praying for us today, which is so amazing and they don't cut you off at 100 so we'll go we'll just keep going yeah we'll go as high as we can i think it's such a gift to to be able to have people praying for us i i have really felt like with the few families that i'm praying for daily i can't go to albania and iraq and central asia like i'm i just i'm one person i can't go to those places but through prayer I get to be a part of what God is doing there Mm. in a very specific way. And it's just been, I've loved that. I feel like I'm going with these families as I'm praying for them. And so if you want to go with us to the Middle East through prayer, we would, we would love that to Mm -hmm. join. And I'm thinking of our listeners, how do they do that? Right. So should we send them to, if you're interested in connecting and partnering and with Jonathan and Casey. Yeah. Yeah. If that's, I mean, that's, with... I don't know if, that, if that's compelling. What's the easiest way to connect with you guys? 
Yeah, we can we can give you an email that you can connect with that can be in the show notes if they're show notes. I don't know. Is it is it easier for them to connect with us? That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. see, I, cut you, I cut you off, Steph. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you could yeah, I think emailing me and then I could just make sure yeah. that there's a, a connection to you. Because I would love to know too who in our um our church body is yeah, seeking opportunities to kind of support our, our different partners. And so if people could contact Steph, S-T-E-P-H. You know how we always talk about spelling out our, our email addresses at cornerstonewla.org. And then I would I would love to get them connected with you. Yeah. Be great. And we, we also love to set up calls. If, if people are just interested in hearing more or want to hear more of the specifics, we like one-on-one would be happy to share where we're going and more of the mm-hmm. details. Um, so that is also very welcome. Yeah, actually, that's, that's a great that's a great reminder because I think you know there's there's limitations to what we can share in this medium, mm-hmm. right? And so if you are interested and are like oh, things are still so vague, though, like I would encourage you to to let us know, c- connect through Steph, and we will connect you directly with um, Jonathan and Casey, and you can set up a time, you can have conversations. Um, I'm we're just excited about that. I know it's it's meant a lot even just to get to hear more of that story. Um, for us and even for for our family while you were here. Yeah. I'm so thankful for this platform because on Sunday, it's just, you know, five to seven minutes is just not enough time on the stage. And (laughs) I'm glad you got a little bit of talking out in the courtyard and I'm glad that people uh, connected with you. I did see people out there talking with you, but I just knew I can't wait for people to hear the podcast so they could just, you know, just hear a little bit more of the story. And, and again, that I hope this is a tool that's used to get people connected and supporting you. So. I'm so glad when you first reached out and you you circled back that you thought of Cornerstone as a missions-minded church, a church that you know is a local church that would come alongside like sending and supporting. And I just, I love that that's who we are and that you knew that. And I love that that's who our church body is. And I feel like it's just a, a, like a true blessing and opportunity to come alongside you guys. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a true privilege and uh, and and humbling that even that Cornerstone even got to play just a tiny yeah. piece of that uh, journey that the Lord has been bringing you on in in different places and in different ways. It was more than a tiny piece. It was it was a fairly sized chunk. It was um, yeah. I mean, it was I think, a cornerstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we oh, I mean, we we love. We love every time we get to come back to LA and we would always visit, I mean, whenever we would back in California, we'd always like, how can we figure out how to make a, a Sunday at Cornerstone part of our trip? Mm. Um, and he just hasn't had us, you know, out in Southern California long-term in the last few years, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a gift to come and, and come alongside you guys and encourage you. And our, our hope would be not that it would just be that we would be receiving, you know, from the body there, but we would be able to give, and, you know, we were blessed during our time there um, through discipleship, through being trained, through, I think, God using um, a number of, of leaders there to really pour into me right during college and then after. And so, you know, I would I would love to, I love that we, we get to be connected. And I, I do hope that we get to be partners for, for decades to come, if the Lord would, would have us around that long. Um, so yeah absolutely 
Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for the time. Thanks for uh, taking the time to do, do this even after a long day of travel. Uh, I know this was kind of just the timing. This is the timing that worked out. So uh, I'm super thankful for four kids thing again. It. It, it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it produces some, you know, you, you just do things in different time. That's great. That's right. That's great. Um, yeah, thank you guys again. And thanks for letting us be a, a part of this with you. Um, and for those, those of you listening, Cornerstone fam, um, I would just encourage you to prayerfully consider how you might come alongside Jonathan and Casey and the missus, how you might get the privilege of getting to be a part. Um, like you said, Casey, we get the privilege of participating in the work in, in a number of different places. And, um, and through you entering into a place where um, I haven't ever gotten to be a part of the work in. And so it's, it's a, a sweet opportunity and privilege. And so I'm, I'm, I'm even just personally really thankful for that. Thanks for visiting us too. Yeah. I'm actually coming in person. Yeah. That was, we loved it. It was two years of zoom, you know, it's uh, a, yeah. it's nice to see people in person. Yeah, for sure. For There's, no sure. There's no replacement for there it. Isn't. Yeah. There isn't. Well, we look forward to, to it again. I know you guys will, are planning to be back in November before you leave. Mm-hmm. And so that's another just opportunity as you're praying for it, Cornerstone fam. Um, Jonathan Casey will be back around um, before they leave and we'll get to see them again then. So we look forward to that. Thank you guys again. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Steph, yeah. for joining. I really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me chime in again. <laughs> and, and thank you all for listening. We love you, and we'll see you on Sunday.